Hey, Pacific Academy. Um, this is so weird because I'm filming chapel message in my basement and I had to decide where. Um, so I figured I would choose the most festive and wonderful place in my basement, which is just beside my giant Tottenham Hotspur logo. And if you know, they are my favorite sports team. Um, but just to uh, anyone that may not know me, I'm Mr. Duick. Uh, there's, there's so many classes that I haven't been able to even see because of the pandemic. And there's new students that maybe have come to PA since I was a teacher in grade six that you might not know me. So it's nice to see you. I'm Mr. Duick. Um, they haven't played my song over the, the PA system yet. So if you're guessing the songs for me, they haven't, they haven't played mine yet. So mine is still coming, but it's good to talk to you virtually. Um, last year I didn't get the chance to speak in chapel because of just how everything went funky and online. So it's a, a big privilege that I get to speak today and I'm glad that you get to pay attention. So I am introducing uh, a new part for chapel. So it's going to be all about Advent. And Advent is the season before Christmas. We often think that it's like the Christmas season because we celebrate going up to Christmas. But traditionally, Christmas was the 12 days of Christmas, which was actually December 25th and 12 more days, which is actually how we see it in our church calendar, which I should show you a picture of. Some of you who were in my class have probably seen this before, but you would celebrate Christmas all the way to Epiphany, which is when the wise men would come. And in Matthew 2, we see the wise men come much later after Jesus was born and they bring their gifts. Uh, and Christmas time is traditionally celebrated within those 12 days. But right now we are in Advent. And Advent is a time of waiting. It's supposed to mark up that Israel waited for years for Messiah. There was hundreds of years between Malachi and Luke. And we are supposed to kind of move into that waiting feeling with Advent. And I think this year it's easier than ever because we're waiting. We're waiting through this pandemic. We're waiting for um, normal life to come back. And if we can correlate those feelings with the waiting of Israel, waiting for a Messiah, waiting for um, the new king, um, we can start to feel the story and really live the story. So uh, we're starting Advent today, which is really cool. Now, the way we're going to do Advent is focusing on the gifts that the Magi brought to Jesus in Matthew chapter 2. And they bring him three gifts, and they're symbolic. They are gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, and this week, um, we're going to focus on gold. And gold is a royal gift. It's a kingly gift. And it helps us recognize Jesus as the king. Uh, so that's what I get to speak on today. And I think if you were in my class last year, if you're in my class this year, you know this is something I'm passionate about. Because I'm convinced that the entire Bible is the story of Jesus becoming king. The story of God becoming king. So... Um, I've been inspired by Mrs. Wanzura. Mrs. Wanzura has been very inspiring to me during the pandemic when I have been at my lowest. And I thought, you know what, if I'm going to do chapel, I better do it Wanzura style. So I've brought prizes. Your teachers each have been given a thing of Kit Kats, okay? And uh, I'm going to ask a series of trivia questions. And if you can get uh, the trivia question right, teacher is the fastest person, the first person you can decide will win a prize. So here is your first trivia question. If you need to pause the video to figure out the prizes, you can go for that. But first trivia question. Are you ready? 
is there a student in your class that can recite a Christmas carol that has the word king in it? So I could think of a couple. Maybe you thought of some different ones. You could, I would love to know which ones you thought of if they're different, but I thought of Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King, uh, Joy to the World, Joy to the World, The Lord has Come, Let Earth Receive Her King. Okay, so um, there's lots of, if we actually listen closely to our Christmas carols, we might recognize that Jesus being king is so much more present than we could have ever thought, than we could have ever really imagined. So uh, I really want to dive into that today. Now, the second trivia question, right back to back here. So see if someone, if you missed out on the first one, maybe you can get redemption here. But I'm looking for an important word. Um, it's a specific word. You might have a different, you might come up with a different answer, but I am looking for a specific word. And that word is a different word for king. So who can name a different word for king? That word is Lord. Lord. So Lord comes up all the time in the Bible and it comes up all the time in church. But when we think about it, Lord is another word for king, to have the highest status. Brexy Cavey says that the gospel in three words, Brexy Cavey is a pastor in Ontario, and he says the gospel in three words is this, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And that is also that Jesus is king. That's the good news in three words. Jesus is the one in charge. Jesus is the good God who's in charge of what's going on. He's the king. And it's so important that we understand that. And you know what? It actually goes all the way back to the beginning. And that's where we're going to use our Bibles. I've told your teachers that you're supposed to have your Bible here. Uh, I cheated today and I bookmarked some spots. But we're going to do another prize here. And this is a sword drill. Okay, so here's how a sword drill works. It's whoever can find the passage the fastest. You have to hold your Bible like this so there's no cheating. You can't put your fingers in here. Okay, hold your Bible like this. And the fastest person to find Genesis 2 will win a prize. All right. Well, hopefully by now everybody has that open. And I'm just going to take a look at Genesis 2. And I'm going to start in verse 4. And it's a telling of the creation of the world. So we've rewound all the way back. And it says this. It says, This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. The Lord God. Now, Lord God is translate that's English, right? But the, the Bible was written in Hebrew and Lord God is a name for God. It's Yahweh Elohim. And the English translation we get of that is Lord, is King, okay? The highest status, the King God. And we know that this is the, the right idea because when we look at the Ten Commandments, it says, don't have any other gods before me. Let Yahweh Elohim be the Lord God. He's the King God who we later find out is Jesus, that Jesus is the king. And it starts all the way back at the beginning. Now, humans have a choice in this. Is Yahweh Elohim going to be your number one? Well, you have other gods before, before, before the king God, before the Lord God. And in Genesis 3, we find out that actually humans, they would rather go their own way. There's the choice. Will you go God's way? Will you, will you go God's way or will you go your own way? 
Which way would you prefer? Will you go the way of the king or do you choose ourselves? Now this is called three-letter word. It's called sin. It's when we choose to go our own way instead of choosing to do what God asks of us. And our own way will always miss the mark. That's actually what the, 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 literally what the word sin means is to miss the mark. We just miss what God asked of us when we put ourselves at the highest status. Now, you might have heard me say earlier that I am a firm believer that the whole Bible, the whole thing, is a story about Jesus becoming the king. It's a story about God becoming the king. And when fitting place might to start with this would be the books of Kings. Samuel and Kings are all stories about Israel saying, we want to rule ourselves. We want someone to lead us. Give us a king, God. And God says, okay, you can have a human person as, as your king. And we start with Saul and David. But the whole story of Samuel and Kings is that these kings wanted to be great. And often, if you want to be the greatest thing, to be the Lord, to be the king, um, you end up going your own way. It's very difficult to be number one and also have God be number one because when it says that we're not supposed to have no gods above God, above Yahweh Elohim, these things that we want become gods. We worship the things that we want. Sometimes we worship ourselves. And you know what? If we fast forward, the Israelites thought this was so important because the book of Chronicles, First and Second Chronicles, they're the same stories as First and Second Kings and First and Second Samuels. They told, I said Samuels, First and Second Samuel. They're the same stories. They told them again because when they were in Babylon, which I'll talk about, they saw how important those stories were. They saw how important it was to recognize that leaders, when they go their own way, when they want to be great, they don't go God's way. And this is what happened. Eventually, Jeremiah is writing through this whole thing and he's saying the kings just want to be great. The kings just want themselves. God is not number one. They are number one. And look at what happens is they actually get removed from Israel. They get taken into Babylon. You hear captivity, exile. This is where we get the stories about Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den, stuff like that. And you know what? That's what happens when we go our own way, when we choose to be number one, not when we choose for ourselves to be the king. We get taken away. And you know what? We see that in early Genesis. Adam and Eve, they choose to do what they would like and they're removed from the Garden of Eden. It's parallel. So here we are in Babylon in, in books like uh, Jeremiah, uh, books like Daniel, and we hear these stories and we're saying, well, what now? We have to wait. Look at what happened. We're, we're removed from our home. We're removed from what God wants for us. And we have to wait. Just like Advent. These are the books about Advent, waiting. And what are we waiting for? Well, the prophets start to write and they start to say, you know what, a king will come. We've been waiting for a king. We had so many kings, but you know what? A better king will come. The best king will come. And we have this word called Messiah. Okay, it means anointed one, or the, 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 the terminology I'm going to use is the long-awaited king. This is the king Israel has been waiting for years for, technically since Saul, because we've been wait they wanted a king there, they got a king there, but it wasn't quite what they needed because God told us, first commandment, God's supposed to be number one. But in Babylon, they're saying, you know what, now that you're removed and there are other foreign people in charge, a king's going to come, a king's going to come. 
the Messiah. We just need to wait. Now that waiting took hundreds of years and we're waiting right now through this pandemic. And you know what? Sometimes this pandemic, oh my goodness, it feels like it's hundreds of years. But if we look closer into the story, we see that Isaiah, a prophet, he, he wrote about Jesus hundreds of years before Jesus was born. And I'm going to read to you a pretty classic first week of Advent Christmas verse. Um, a lot of times this is a verse that you would memorize at Pacific Academy, maybe in the intermediate school or the primary school. It's Isaiah 9 verse 6. I will also read verse 7. It says, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Maybe you've memorized that one before for scripture memory. You've heard it before. But that's verse 6. Let's read verse 7 also. Of the greatness of his government, or his rule, and peace, there will be no end. This is why this king is important. This king is going to be in charge forever. There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. It's the zeal of the Lord Almighty that will accomplish this. Do you hear those king words? We don't really get them till verse 7. Reign, throne, kingdom. This is what we're waiting for. This is what Israel was waiting for. And this is what we're leaning into. When we read the Bible, I, I tell my, my students this. It's like we're pressing our face up against the window of the Bible to say, well, what's going on in here? Kind of like a clay diorama. We get to see a snapshot. And with Advent, we're pressing our face up against the glass and we're saying, okay, what's it like to wait? And then we look in our own hearts and we see this pandemic and the things that we're waiting through. And we push those things together and say, yes, we're waiting for, we're waiting for things to be made right again. We're waiting for a king because that's what Isaiah is talking about. He's talking about that in Babylon, things aren't right. We need things to be right again. And for the longest time, they thought a human king would do that. But no, we need the king that's from the Lord Almighty that will have reign that has no end. Now, after waiting, long after Israel had been removed back from Babylon and the Greeks were in charge and the Romans were in charge, there were some shepherds just kind of living their life, kind of like how you might be just kind of living your life at home in the middle of this pandemic, not really expecting anything great to happen, knowing the stories of what Isaiah had said and what their generations before them had said in Babylon. And then boom, out of nowhere, in Luke chapter 2, we see that there are angels that appear. And they freak the shepherds out. And they start saying things like, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. They keep talking to the, these, uh, these shepherds. And he says, don't be afraid. I bring you good news. Good news. That will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the long-awaited King, the Lord, the King. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Don't be afraid. 
The king's here. It's happened. What you've been waiting for, it just happened today. The Lord has been born. The Messiah has been born. The Christ, Christ, another word for king. Have you noticed that the Bible is slowly showing us that Jesus is important? Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is the king. In Mark 1.15, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. This is uh, Mark. The gospel of Mark doesn't have a Christmas story. I feel like this is Mark's Christmas story. There's no angels. But in Mark 1.15, Jesus shows up and he says, hello. <laughs> well, he doesn't actually say hello. He says this. He says, the time has come. It's now. We've been waiting. He says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God, the one Isaiah was talking about. It's here. The time has come. And then he says, repent and believe the good news. Repent, it means to turn around. To see what you're doing and turn away from it. The king's here. What are you going to do? Are you going to follow him? He says, repent and turn. Are you going to turn? Are you going to turn from your own ways? The ways of kings of this world? People that we put as number one. Are we going to turn around and put Jesus as number one? In uh, Matthew 4, he, Jesus goes to his disciples that were fishing and they're holding on to stuff. They're holding on to nets and they drop their nets and they turn and they follow him. It shows they have a new life, a new life that's going to be following the king. Are you going to drop your nets? Are you going to turn and follow Jesus? Now, Jesus is not the king of power. He's not like Herod. He's not like Caesar. That's why he was killed. He said he was the king or people thought he was the king and Herod was the king. Caesar was the king. You see, Jesus is the king that heals the sick, that casts out evil, that forgives sin, that offers food and water to outsiders and conquers death. That's the king that we worship. You see, he's the king who's healing the world. He's bringing salvation and we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks, but the root word of salvation, we often say he's the savior and he's saving and that's true. But the root word of salvation is salve, which is like an ointment you would put on a wound because that, and that's because salvation is healing. Jesus sees the things that are wrong with the world and he's coming to heal them and make it right. Just like Isaiah pointed out, he says, we need a king to us. We need a son to be given. We need the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father for everything wrong in Babylon to be made right. We need Jesus. We need him to heal what's wrong. And it's being made right through his perfect kingdom here. The time has come. The kingdom is here. So that needs to start with us. If we're following Jesus, maybe there's some things in our life that are wrong that we need to let Jesus make right. And the first step in that is to drop our nets. To ask the question, do I want to follow the king or do I want to follow myself? The Jewish people were given an option. Matthew 27, they said, do you want Jesus or do you want Barabbas? Barabbas was the criminal that wanted to take things into his own hands and take over the kingdom. Jesus was the one that wanted to heal people, feed people. Who do you want? Do you want to be a part of God's kingdom, making things right again, restoring things? Do you want the wrongs in your life to be made right? Jesus is the way, the way, the truth, and the life. That's Jesus. So let's offer, like the Magi, the gold 
that we have to the king. To do that, we're going to have to drop our nets and repent and turn to the king that's been born. We often talk about sinners' prayers or um, accepting Jesus into our heart or the time that the pastor tells you to close your eyes and raise your hand because you want to accept Jesus. That moment, or whatever that is, that's the time that we decide Jesus is king. When we accept Jesus into our hearts, we make him king of our lives and king of the world. So my question is to you, who's your king? You need to drop your nets. Who's your king? Let's pray to close things off as we're waiting, waiting through this pandemic and waiting for Christmas. Pray that we'd slow down, take time to feel the waiting uh, and to also feel the nets drop from our hands as we turn towards the king of the world who's going to make things right. Let's pray. King Jesus, we thank you for your birth that we're waiting for. We thank you for the prophets that recognize that when we go our own way, we get further from what it is you want from us. Help us to recognize that today, that when we make ourselves king, you're not number one. Help us to have no other thing above you. Help us not to worship what we want or what our culture wants, but to worship the king. Be with us this week as we find ways to offer our gold to you, our lives to you. Be with us as we just let go of our nets, the nets of our lives, to turn and repent to you, the King. We thank you that you're in control. Through this pandemic, we're frustrated, we're waiting, and it just makes us feel sick inside. And we pray that we'd be able to lean in as we press our face up against the glass and wait. We thank you that you're the King. In the precious and holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to me, Pacific Academy Middle School. Um, it's been so good. Next time, let's do this in person. Bye-bye.